1: Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, we do not have any more Bulls games to talk about because the Bulls have been eliminated. Uh, The Playoffs are in full swing. The Bulls aren't involved. Honestly, it's kind of nice. It's freeing. I think that if we had to talk about... You know, a Buck series where they would have got their teeth kicked in. Uh, The vibes would be worse than they are right now. And instead, we can just kind of sit back, enjoy what's been a really fun first round to the start of the playoffs. And just kind of take in what's happening around the league. And if you notice a lot of the league-wide trends, I think, you know, just the harder you look into it, the more you realize the Bulls just are not really built right now to compete with any of the top teams in the NBA, despite what Arturis Karnashovas might think. Uh, there's been a lot of good postmortems following Karnashovas's end of season press conference. My personal favorite, of course, from bloggable.com, our guy Matt is joining us today. He wrote Arturis Karnashovas doesn't settle for mediocrity, he strives for it. And this was another classic in the long history of taking down terrible Bulls front offices, which You know, even if you wanted to give AK, uh, you know, another chance because at least he hasn't been in this position for 18 years like Garpax, Uh, every time he meets the media, he continues to find new ways to disappoint us. Or perhaps he disappoints us in the same ways he always has. But uh, I thought this was a great piece. We got Matt with us. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing, doing all right.
2: And yeah, uh, it was funny. We was, we recorded our last podcast together, literally like an hour before AK talk. we knew he, we knew he was talking early trying to slink in like the, the morning after they embarrassed themselves down the stretch against Miami with, and also had Billy Donovan with him. Uh, We Billy Donovan's kind of been his shield, AK's shield like all season with like the Lonzo stuff. So I guess only fitting that Billy was up there for whatever reason, uh, on Saturday morning, I was not able to really watch, but I saw some of the quotes coming through, uh, obviously just kind of sighing and laughing at some of them. And, uh, I mean, they were obviously asking about rebuilding and AK was not talking about how he doesn't want to rebuild and they want to build a winner and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, some of the stuff he was saying, i obviously made comments about the three point shooting and just a lot of, a lot of whatever. And like I said, Matt broke it down really well, a lot. As you said, we do have Matt on here today, bloggable.com. Of course, bloggable does have a new home on Substack. So if you have not made that move and checked out Matt and signed up, get those, get that sign up in there, please go check that out. A uh, lot of the great people that if you have been a bloggable follower for a long time, a lot of Pete, great people over there in the comments. And obviously you get Matt's great work, Matt. Thank you for joining us. We've been trying to get this together. Uh, because it seems like extra fitting now that we are bringing you on here after the bull season ended and after we had a, another brutal uh, end of season press conference. How are you doing today?
3: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yes. And I think, I think it is fitting and as, as little as Arturus gives us when he talks, it's always like Ricky said, it's always disappointing and usually in the same ways. And I guess like to preface like the entire idea of like him meeting the media doing it so infrequently, none of this would matter if he was actually doing well in the position. Like if he was doing smart moves and, and they were, you know, progressing towards winning, like he wants to, then we wouldn't really care that he didn't speak. But the fact that they have been so disappointing and he hasn't done much to kind of get them out of this tailspin that they've been in since Lonzo Bell went down. Then when he talks, it's like, so we have to listen and try to figure out what he's thinking. And, I guess like the worst way to put it, like the mo- the least charitable way to put it is like you almost hope he's lying because if he's telling the truth, it's like really a bad like foundational concepts of like how to build a winning team, what constitutes winning, what's successful because what he keeps saying about you know trying to kind of like polish this turd of a season and saying like well, you know, we finished 14-9 after the break and We were more competitive against good teams, which, you know, a lot of that is both like hard to measure and you should take it with more skepticism than he is. So when Artura says stuff like, you know, we were, we were better against good teams than last season, that's technically true, but that's not like something that you can really hang your hat on is like (laughs) actually showing progress about your own team. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that goes into NBA regular season games, whether it's, right. you know, the opponent's rest, whether their uh, guys are out injured or just, you know, taking the Bulls lightly. I mean, we see from the Bulls standpoint, like they take uh, lesser teams lightly. So why wouldn't it follow that, you know, when Boston lost to them or when the Bucks lost to the Bulls? Like that was just a case of the opponent not taking taking the Bulls seriously and the Bulls got to win. But in Arturus' mind, he's he's taking this all as like evidence. Like, my plan is working. This team is actually good. They are they're just not, it's just not reflected in their record. And so that that's like one big thing that I'm I'm kind of like really uh disappointed in is like he still kind of like believes in this like evidence, like to to end the season is especially bad. Cause I mean, he he cites a 14 to nine record. Well, two of those wins were against the uh, Detroit the last day of the season. And then Dallas, who was actively trying to lose that game. I mean, you you kind of have to like take those, you don't have to throw out all those numbers. I mean, for those two games you do, but for like that, that last half, that last, it's not calling it a half is disingenuous. Cause it's only, it's a, it's actually Quarter, like, a very basically. small sub. Yeah. Subset of the season. Like you should be taking that evidence with like more skepticism, not like taking that, like, Oh, well this is telling me how good the team is because they performed like this well relatively in, in that small stretch so that that's a problem in itself and then also like the the subjective uh criteria of you know it's just kind of like ak has like is going off of this like off of vibes he's like well we it feels like we're competing more with with these good teams and like yeah they probably have a slightly better record but last season when you know the 21 22 season when they were had a good record but we were like over against like all these good teams like that was kind of like an outlier that was the statistical outlier it makes sense that if you're an average team you're gonna win some games against good teams you're gonna lose some games against good teams the opponent rests, the opponent not take you seriously the injuries like all this stuff I mean the Orlando Magic beat the Celtic three times I mean no and they're not like going up there saying like well I'm really proud of how our group competed they know where they stand so when Arturis like says like where they stand it's very concerning because you almost hope he's lying and then to compound that with like okay so how do you get better he doesn't seem to know the way to get better is to get better players he seems to think like just have the same players I knew and he- have them be yeah have have them be more consistent He he always ties ability with consistency so it's like it's not like Patrick Williams isn't good he's good he just needs to be good more consistently well if all these guys were consistently good they'd be better players <laughs> I mean like if Zach Levine was because like consistently an elite scorer and won both play-in games instead of just the one then you know he would be a higher tier of player so I think in like in Williams case yes he can develop more consistency and get better but like a lot of these guys are not going to get Consistently better, they're gonna get worse because of age. So it's so he both doesn't know how to like measure success. He doesn't seem to have an idea of like what success means. Because I mean, all we're talking about is even in the best vision of what he thinks this team is, the 14 and nine record, that like over the course of the season, what would that be? Like a 46-win team or something? And is that really satisfactory to him? I mean, I mean, apparently so. And, And he's like aiming for that. It's not even like something where you know, we only got 46 wins, but I think we're a 55 win team. He's just trying to get to like a mid seed and is, is kind of like confounded of why they can't get there. And then he doesn't know how to get better. Part of it could be because he knows deep down that he doesn't have a lot of avenues to get better. So he's kind of trying to like temper expectations and saying like, it's going to be internally developed because he doesn't have a lot of outs, but uh, you almost hope that's the case. And from what I've seen of how, A.K. like deals with the media i don't think this is some like savvy guy playing like 40 chess behind the scenes i mean he's not like saying one thing and doing something totally different he's saying what he thinks he's doing what he thinks which is you know give this group a chance let's keep continuity and then he's kind of like flummoxed at the end being like well i don't know why our clutch record was worse this year i don't know why uh like we need more physicality that that's something we have to look at and improve on but he doesn't offer any suggestions of like scheme coaching or getting better players to to like how to actually get better so yeah just all around just like awful work again if it if he was better at his job then i wouldn't care that he was also terrible with the media but i mean say if you could say even less that would probably be preference <laughs> or use Use like, so use Mark Eversley. If if he's Mark Eversley better at articulating a plan, well, use him, put him out there but he doesn't use anybody. He was doing Lonzo ball updates through Billy Donovan all year. And like Jason pointed out, brought Billy up as a, a weird like shield in the press conference and credit to Darnell Mabier for pointing that out as strange and kind of like indicative of AK's like uh, insecurity expressing his plan. I mean, he's just, He's not confident in expressing his plan, and I guess given like how it's turned out, he shouldn't be confident. So, yeah, altogether bad stuff.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Darnell because like he he also took like you took took him the task and just said like like where there doesn't seem to be a plan like of any sort at all. Uh, I know Will Gottlieb did that as well at CHGO, just kind of just like what are you guys doing here? Like, it just doesn't seem like this is going anywhere, and. You talk just about quick
3: on, on, on Will, like he even he like pre- he like laid out all his concerns, but he preface it was like, well, we know that AK and his staff are extremely smart. Oh, that, it's like, that, I don't know. That, do we? Because I mean, that, whenever he talks, it's like he's say, not that he's like objectively stupid, but he's yeah. like saying stuff like, you know, our 14 and nine record after after the All-Star break is really important when that's just like naive and easily like gullible. So Ricky, I don't know if, if that's even true. Say, yeah, Ricky, I Ricky.
2: So, yeah, I was going to say you brought up earlier this year. Does AK no ball? And this this brings us right into this. Rick, go ahead.
1: Well, I'm going to say, like uh, we know, Karnashov has given himself a big pat on the back for the Bulls' 40 and 42 record. I mean, they came one win away from achieving their goal of being the number eight seed in the Eastern Conference. They were so close to you know being satisfied with where they are playoff run. Uh, but Matt, you know. I guess two years ago, Bulls, 46 and 36. Karnashova said the goal of the team was to improve on the past season. This year they go 40 and 42. Obviously Lonzo doesn't play the whole year, but besides for that, the Bulls pretty much have remarkable health. Uh, Patrick Williams plays every game. To me, that was one of the best parts of the entire Bulls season, just like seeing that he can be durable and just getting more data on him, uh, letting him get more experience. Vooch played every game. Uh, Zach played a shit ton of minutes, I think like third most in the entire league. Damar, I think played 70 plus games, 74 games, something like that. Uh, so we know Arturo's kind is pretty satisfied with where the team is at. Even if he's disappointed, they didn't win the last game. So they couldn't make the playoffs uh, while AK gives himself a pat on the back. Matt, how would you evaluate the team's performance this season? And sort of, where do you think the team's at?
3: Well, Oh, well, you're kind of grading on a curve. It's like, in terms of like goal setting, the fact that they even set that goal of improving over last year. Okay. Well that implies that they want to be better than average because they were, yes, they had 46 wins, but we know that a lot of that was boosted by the early start with Lonzo on the team. They were more like an average team and they were summarily dismissed in the playoffs. So yeah, it, it, it was a, a good goal to to say that. And AK did say, Oh, we did not achieve that goal. It was a failure of a season, but everything else was like you said, patting himself on the back. It was a 10th place victory lap, which was just like insane to hear that he could interpret what he learned from this team to say, not that we're a 40 and 42 team, or, or like we are a 40 and 42 team, but it feels like we're a 48 win team. You know, it's just all based off like these, how how we feel the team is competing and they want to be a tough out. And like, so yeah, based off of that kind of uh, criteria that they set for themselves, like, like I said, this is all kind of grading out bulls, bullsian and curve where they want to be average. They want to be a tough out uh, AK even like kind of let it slip a bit. When he said like, that's all fans can ask for is to be a competitive team. That's a tough out where it's like, no, that's not all teams can ask for if, if we want to actually like win something. And, and be a, be a title contender. Like, that's what we can ask for. So if, if grading off like that, like objective criteria of like, is this team getting closer to title and not even like a title or bust attitude, but just like presenting an environment to where superstar players want to come play with you. So I think, yeah, if you're just looking at title or bust, like getting mid-level guys, like, like, like solid starters, like Vucevic or DeRozan, who's like an all-star, but on the lower end of the all-star um uh, team and zach levine like these are all guys to like raise the floor to where you could be like a slightly like a 45 to 50 win team and i think that's a good goal and worth pursuing to try and improve that and then become an environment that people want to like better players want to play and so on that criteria they they did miserably because they look they did they actually like backslid did worse and they're even less flexible than they were because of how these uh these picks have worked out and how much they sent out in trades and it's just kind of like a a miserable like mediocre situation where i don't where i think it's better than a tanking situation obviously no no star player wants to play for the bulls if they uh you know traded tomorrow midseason and went in the tank but i don't think it, like players are looking like AK might think like they're like one piece away from contention, but I don't think that actual piece is looking at the bulls and saying, Oh, hey, I'm the missing piece to like to to get this team over the top. They're like they're pretty they're pretty close or they're pretty far from like that even that level. So it's gone really poorly. And I think as much as like a goal this offseason should be, okay, like let's keep with the path and try to get better to become like one step away. Okay. That's good. But they, they're, they're in such a bad spot to try and get, to make that happen. I'm sure we'll talk about like their, yeah. their avenues of ways to yeah. ways to go through. But I mean, I think what we learned is it's clear. One, one thing that Karthas did declare, they do not want to step back. They didn't even want to take like a temporary step back of the trade deadline, which would have made a lot of sense to kind of like gather some assets, you know, realize this year wasn't happening. Let's see what we can get and like reload into next year. He bought that opportunity. And now it's like even more, uh, he, he's kind of like painting himself into a corner where he has to like, kind of like quadruple down on this core because the alternative would be stepping back even farther, which he has indicated he does not want to do. Right. You're talking yeah, about like
2: to not, me, t- not, ta- not taking a step back just to direct direct that point. But then he also is like, well, there was nothing that improved the team, the deadline either. I think, and I think that's what comes back to is just like, they made the, all these aggressive moves. The Vooch trade, getting DeMar, Lonzo, Crusoe, whatever, to get to that point where, okay, you're a, whatever, 45 to 50 win team, a baseline of we're pretty good. And then you want to build from there. The problem is, since then, they haven't done jack shit and they just have wasted so much time and wasted all these transaction periods of not doing anything else. So it's like, what are you doing? Like, you can't, you're talking about building a winning program, but you're, you Put this core together, but then you didn't supplement it with anything. You add no shooting. And he had all the weird stuff he talked about shooting at the trade deadline. And then he said whatever he said uh on Saturday. Uh you you don't take advantage of some of the contracts they had last year that expired. Uh like the, the longer, I mean the, the Derrick Jones stuff we've talked about, Troy Brown Jr., and some of this might be financial stuff from the from our cheap ownership, but like just uh, have been such inactivity an activity and not building upon the teams. And now they are in such a weird place where this core is so mediocre. Two years of high minutes for the three main guys of DeMar, Vooch, and Levine. And it's just like, it's average. The, the plus minus is right around zero for two, like for almost, it's got to be over like 2,500 minutes, almost 3,000 minutes for these guys. Because uh, you haven't really supplemented the core or these core guys at all with guys who can play better around them you've just been relying on continuity and relying on patrick williams and io taking these leaps and relying on whatever these ill-fitting kind of like roster construction you have and it leaves you with where they're at right now with booch is a free agent they have a ton of salary committed to the roster already kobe's a free agent kobe actually did start playing better at the end of the year and like i don't know what he's going to get restricted free agency is weird but you're in a spot where our guy Mark Caransulis wrote at CHGO like this, kind of looking at the team. Like, if you want to run, if they just want to run it back, like you really can't add to the team. Beside besides that, because the luxury tax, and they're not going to pay the luxury tax most likely for this mid team that didn't even make the playoffs. So it's like, and they have like no draft picks. The Blazers pick ain't coming. The Blazers tanked their way into the lottery again. Uh, so it's like, where the fuck do they go from here? Other than like you said, kind of just running it back, praying that some small additions maybe to the roster will help, but then you have to hope that hope health holds up again. And it's just like, whatever. Ricky, and these
3: guys are yeah. older too. Yeah, so right. like, the Butcher, yeah, DeMar is, they're going to get hurt yeah. more often than less. Right. So yeah, yeah, that's a problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like when they built this team, obviously they traded a lot of draft capital yeah. to get them. Uh, trading two picks for Vooch, the 2025 pick for DeMar. I still can't believe that the Bulls owe another draft pick for this shitty core <laughs> after they've already given up one top 10 pick. And this year, what, it's going to be the 11th pick, I guess, that they give up. Uh, but I think that like when they built this team, Carter Chavez was just going into it being like, my, my goal is to make the playoffs. And I think this team is good enough to make the playoffs And the longer they stay together the better they will be. I do not think he thought of anything past that. And clearly that's been the case because he sat out the last three transaction cycles trying to make no meaningful move to the team. I think he really has no idea how to improve the team, even though anyone who pulls up their basketball reference page could show you how to improve the team. Well, they're dead last in three-point rate and dead last in 3 point make so add some shooting uh you saw the way they were dominated inside several times this season by big front lines uh against Miami in the last game of the season so add some more physicality up front and i think like karnishovas might realize that this is what ails the team but he has no way how to acquire it without just burning more first round picks in trades or adding more salary which his bosses won't let him do uh so I, yeah, it just to me, it comes back to like he doesn't really have a plan for figuring out how to like barrel roll out of this problem, which is that the team is not any good without Lonzo. Yeah, like with Lonzo, maybe this team would have won 46 games or 50 games every year, Uh, and that would have satisfied his low goals and the United Center would have been sold out and there would have been some excitement around the team. Uh, and, you know, maybe they would have gotten lucky and won a series at some point. But now every time I hear him speak and every time you sort of like monitor what the Bulls are doing uh, when they have the opportunity to make a move, it just seems like he doesn't have any clue how to actually fix the problems facing the team.
3: Right. He he doesn't offer when he, I, especially when he specifically addresses shooting, in, someone asked that in the press conference. You know, what about the three-point shooting? And he wouldn't even commit to saying like we need more shooters on the team. He he said that was part of it, one of many things. And you know, they actually already have good shooters. They just need to Develop. be more confident. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Just be more confident. Yeah, and just like and that, and that's again like what his philosophy seems to be about improvement. Just takes all you have to do, all you can do is commit time. And like, so the the longer they play together, they'll be more consistent and they'll be, be, and then they will be better because they'll be, uh, they'll have like more performance over a greater amount of time and against good teams and in clutch situations. And that'll like drive up the record. But, not only was that like a dubious plan in the first place, it was literally just proven wrong. He brought the team back. Yeah. They, they spent all this time together. There weren't any more injuries, but uh, besides Lonzo, who you knew wasn't going to play these but guys have been all that. this time together. <laughs> well, <laughs> they, they have they've had all this time together and they, they were worse. So, I mean, it's like, it's clearly that clearly just like doing the same thing and like hoping they just magically improve. Isn't, isn't happening. I, I also find it curious that um, he offers no possibility that coaching, like a coaching uh, strategy change, let alone a new coach, would would help. Uh, he these and like it's a general theme of his uh, kind of regime here is to kind of like praise everybody and say nothing's wrong. Because whenever asked about Billy Donovan, like everything's going great with Billy. Um, well, what about adding more shooting through? Strategy? Well, that's not even like brought up. Billy's doing great. And by the way, he got a secret extension. So, you know, clearly I believe in him because we're going to pay him to stick around a long time. uh, Cause he's like my meat shield for the media. Uh, So, I mean, like that's part of it too. It's like, even when presented with a, a specific problem, he can't articulate how they can improve because the real way to improve is to get better players. And he probably knows that he, he really can't at this point.
2: Yeah, and when it comes to the Lonzo thing, uh I mean he I believe he claimed that like all oh, day still thought that there was hope he was going to play. I mean, I feel like once we got through what was ever going on last summer, you knew that something was just really fucked up and that you should have planned for a hit the possibility that of uh, the very high possibility that he was not going to be back. And they didn't do that either. So like, you know how important Lonzo was, but you didn't do anything. You were again, you were banking on IO taking a step. He did not do that. It was very unfortunate that it didn't happen, but just banking it again, banking on the continuity. And IO started a bunch of games with them last year, and that those that again, them him together, like that was definitely going to just he was going to take another step forward. Obviously, you hope that's gonna be the case, but like not bringing I mean, they brought in Goran Dragic, who might retire, I think, after this year. I thought I saw a quote today about he's and like to basically
3: quit on, yeah, quit on the Bulls. And he was, he was like after, well, after, the, after give, the first he was like, like, get me month, out of here,
2: yeah, after the first month, <laughs> he was terrible. So, like, yeah, he, he was, uh.
3: He stood up to he stood up to Zach Levine in the locker room. We got yeah. that it. And then it was after the trade deadline. Was like, well, I don't want to. I want to go to like an actual like <laughs> yeah. an actual winning program. Right? Like you think this is a winning program? Yeah. So uh, I want to go to a real one.
2: Yeah. So the lack of uh, planning. So, I and mean, that, well, the, the lots
3: I mean, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say the lack of planning. Of
2: I know they don't have many assets. We don't. Yeah. We don't want them to totally like again burn through more draft capital to get a point guard, but. I mean, just not bringing in an actual, like not a washed up Goran Dragon's a better possibility if you any inkling here with Alonzo thing, that was just not going to happen. But you talk about, and they didn't do anything, they really didn't do anything there. They didn't use their full mid-level, didn't try to make any trades really. Uh, And then, and they were garbage for the first half of the year. the, The bar was so low that Patrick Beverly, who let's be serious. Patrick Beverly is not good. I mean, he's, he tries hard sometimes. He's okay at three point shooting. He's loud. Uh, you could say whatever, he was a good leader and a good voice in a locker room that needed it. Uh, and like we were talking, we I mean, we joked when that happened was that we didn't think he'd actually make much, much of an impact, but they at least needed the kick in the ass, which I mean, they clearly did. Uh, but the bar was so low that Beverly helped did help make them a bit better because the bar was so fucking low. And we, I think you joked about how, whatever AK talked about continuity and all that, but they needed to bring in Patrick Beverly to actually have a pulse and to actually make a change. And, Beverly wasn't even that good. And he, I believe he had zero points in the heat game. I think he did absolutely jack shit in basically yeah. both playing yeah, games.
3: Absolutely. Yeah,
2: he wasn't good. And like, you look, you looked at some of like the net rating stuff and whatever the 14 to nine record, and it was better. And their starting lineup was better. But again, those numbers at that point in the year are such garbage. And some of those games were just like, there was the Nets game, wherever they won that first game by 40, which was just, I mean, just
3: a fluke kind of game. Uh, I mean, the Grizzlies yeah, game was take, almost If you a just fluke. take out that game, their net yeah. rating went down by two whole right, points. Yeah, like, just, just that one game. Yeah. And, like, the, that
2: Grizzlies game, I feel like it was a total fluke. The Grizzlies went up 25 and just stopped playing. And the Bulls kept playing, and they kept playing hard. The Grizzlies just kind of threw in the towel, and the Bulls win that game by 20. You look at some of those other games down the stretch. They had one other really good win against L.A., and that, that Sixers game were hard and had, like, the worst game of his career. Uh, but, like, the Clippers game, they got fucking smoked. What L- other Lakers game at home? Smoked. Sixers game at home, you're down 23 to 2. I mean, they got smoked by some like most of the games against really good teams at the end of the year. They would get out and they'd start, or they'd even be down, they'd be down 20 points.
3: Average teams like Atlanta, they, they needed that game yes. against the Hawks against they, Atlanta. They yeah,
2: yeah, and they get smoked and without
3: Trey Young. So it's all, like, like all those games at the
2: end of the year, they started off, even that Mavs game that the Mavs were tanking. The Bulls were down 15 that game almost every game to end the season. The Bulls were down uh, big before they actually started playing. Uh, so it's just like, even yeah that 14-9 stretch is garbage. It's, I, you can't take anything from that. I feel like nothing. Like, would I bring, like, I if they want to bring Beverly back, fine, whatever, as a veteran guy, but like, you can't rely on him as a starter I anymore. Mean, he's just not that good. But the bar was so low that it made yeah, them look I mean, a little better.
3: It goes to a lack of, like, he, has indicated he knows how to, like, plan long-term. Right. Or even, like, assess long-term for the team, where he's like, so, where he talks about, you know, I, he was like given like a relatively softball question about, you know, what did you learn on the job? And he said, well, I have to be more patient because I get too like upset about um, losses. And it's like, it seems like you get too overjoyed about (laughs) staying close or like, let alone like winning some of these games. Like I can picture like, like we're trying to take like a contextual look at some of these victories like over the Grizzlies or like the huge, like 40 point win over the Nets. But I wonder if AK is just like, just like feeling like the competitive juices, like he's a former player. Uh, ma- like maybe he's better suited to like as a scout or something. Cause as an executive who has to think more critically long-term, like a little bit more dispassionate about the team. He doesn't seem to really have that, have that gear in terms of his assessment. And I think like maybe the most embarrassing thing he said was going back to Lonzo and that he said, that, you know, he doesn't regret anything going into this season because he thought Lonzo was going to play. Right, yes. Um, it's like, well, one, you shouldn't have thought that. <laughs> Two, even if he is going to play, he's not going to come back right away and be like a 35-minute-a-game, uh, you know, point guard, your leader. Uh, he does so much for this team, you know, when he's playing and, like, in his prime, but that – whether or not he was going to make it back on the court, we definitely knew he wasn't going to be like a hundred percent back. So to only go into the season with like Goran Dragic as a, a minimum signing to try and shore up the point guard position, which is like malpractice. And then to say like, I had no regrets. It's just, I mean, that's just like him being kind of like a buffoon and I try not stubborn. to yeah. like he, he had, he had worse quotes uh, <laughs> mid season after the trade deadline like how I mentioned how he, he thought actually like adding players was bad because it was shocked the locker room. But then they, but then they get Patrick Beverly. They shocked the locker like room. Blows up yeah, he shocked the locker room and it worked. And like, But he didn't say like, well, I was." I guess I was wrong. So, yeah, some of it is like, yeah, I try not to focus like too much on what he says because like some of it is just like, but just like his overall philosophy about like what makes a good team and like what is good evidence when we talk about, you know, gathering data And he referenced, you know, I have, I wanted to give this group a chance. And like, we, even though we didn't make the playoffs, like we learned a lot. It's like, but I mean, is it really helpful if you're taking the long, the wrong lessons from this data and like, you don't really know how to contextualize or kind of like put some skepticism towards this, towards this record where instead he's just like, well, you know, we, there was that thrilling comeback against the Grizzlies. I really feel like we're on the right path. Like he, Literally said out loud that we're on the right path. Yeah, he did. Uh, I, I don't think he's lying. I think he, I think he, I think he believes it because I don't know, like he just like treats these individual games as like so important, even though it's like regular season March in the NBA and like most GMs know that, you know, you have to kind of take these with a grain of salt, and, but AK thinks otherwise.
1: Yeah, so I want to talk about one of your tweets today, Matt. You said trading DeMar DeRozan would be a rebuild, especially if it's to give Patrick Williams more on-ball opportunities. Patrick Williams' on-ball juice is spoiled milk. So I think for the most part, we're pretty aligned on, or we have been over the years, on what we think the team should do. Uh, And I loved your piece on Karnaschovas. But when I look at the Bulls and I think, how can they improve this team? I do think that trading DeMar is probably their best uh for a few different reasons. The big stat that stands out to me about this year is that the Bulls were fourth in field goal percentage and 24th in offensive efficiency. So if you evaluate like Booch, Levine, DeRozan, I think they all had like pretty decent seasons they did. by their Individual. own standards. Like You can't really look at any of those three and say this guy's the scapegoat for the reason the team didn't make the playoffs, the reason the team finished under 500. They all had pretty good years, but the issue is that they don't fit well together and that even when their best players are playing well, the team can't perform well. Uh, So when I think about DeRozan, I feel like. Uh, Just his mid-range heavy attack is going to be the first thing that just sort of limits the Bulls from like optimizing their offense and is the first reason why, you know, they're 24th in the league in offense. Uh, Even though he can shoot a pretty good percentage on those mid-range shots, having your star player shoot so often from mid-range, I think hinders hinders the offensive efficiency a bit, especially when he's not surrounded with quick trigger knockdown shooters, which it's just a fact of life for the bulls. Obviously they do not have quick trigger knockdown shooters and they don't really have a lot of ways to get those guys outside of like taking a flyer on some dudes. Maybe they turn into that, but the bulls burn those back into the roster spots on the likes of Marco Simonovic who can't do shit. Two years the game. And then I also think it comes down to like walking the ball up and wanting to play a little bit slower and more methodical. Uh, when the bulls were Good with Lonzo, it was because the transition attack was just ignited, really, and uh, transition offense is probably the most efficient form of offense in the NBA. We know that. So uh, just to throw this at you, Matt, you know, I think every DeRozan trade is sort of viewed as like, okay, the Bulls are blowing it up. They're taking a step back. And it's easy to see why that would be the case, because DeMar is still obviously really good at what he does. But I've thrown this out there a couple times in the past. But like the trade the Nets made for Kyrie, getting Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney Smith, and a pick. Like, how would you feel about a trade where DeRozan was traded, but they got two, let's say, a little bit above average starters who perhaps filled the areas of need that the team has, whether that's physicality inside? whether it's shooting, whether it's point guard play, whether it's wing depth, I would say those are the biggest issues facing the team going into the off season. Uh, you know, do you see a world where maybe they could trade DeRozan in like a one for two type of swap and perhaps improve the team? Or do you think any trade for DeRozan would ultimately be a net
3: negative? Um, I, I do think it's a net negative, but I I will like caveat it a bit by saying like we don't know what the whatever Demar is going to be next year is going to be thirty five next year. We like we don't know like that version of DeRozan. Like maybe keeping him, you're going to get worse just by by age. I just I just go back to the idea of then your focal point is back to Zach Levine, and we've seen a team where Zach Levine is the is the guy and it's not good. Um, And so I, I agree. Like ideally the offense would be, you know, more transition opportunities and faster paced, more like egalitarian. And then like the Rosen's mid range, like mastery would be kind of like the, the backstop kind of like the last resort, not the first option every time. I agree with that. I just think like, if you replace, DeRozan with even like better quote unquote fitting players you're fitting around Zach Levine. And I think that, I think that team wins, I think they wouldn't be much worse, but I think they would be still be in this like 37 to 42 win range. And so, and, and then at that point, then you're like, well, why not just like go all the, then, then you're kind of like getting in these discussions, like, why not just do a full rebuild if, if you're like, why, like, why retool, just to get like back to relatively the same spot. I mean, a lot of it is not even my like faith in DeRozan or thinking like DeRozan's like, uh, like an A1 superstar and a great team is that I just don't have that uh, faith in Levine to, to lead the team. It's like, we've seen it, we've seen how it works. And like, if, if we play- and I don't think like Patrick Williams is going to step up as a, like a, a shot creator like, so, like a movement shooter, like someone to actually like make defenses react. Cause right now they just leave them wide open for, for his three point attempts. Um, so it's like a combination of the guys on existing on the roster, not being good enough. And I don't think they're going to step up and then, you know, bringing in like average players. I just don't, I just don't see that. I see that team potentially like being a better, maybe they have a better offense because uh, you shoot more threes, but I just don't, don't think they would be I don't I just don't think they would be the, um, markedly better to where like they'd be above this like tier they're in now. And then like really what's the point? And I see like a, a huge like downside potential, I guess. If if they traded DeRozan, if they just said like okay, we're gonna all the shots that DeRozan took, we're gonna give them to Kobe White, Patrick Williams, and you know, Zach Levine is gonna do more more on ball work. I just think it could go really poorly. And, um, so yeah, that's why, that's why I'm figuring like, you know, if you want to trade, if you want to trade DeRozan, Rosen, it has to be for someone better. And I don't think that's really possible. I mean, maybe like you get some assets for Rosen and package them with like Patrick Williams and kind of like quadruple down and like, let's, let's get, let's get someone, let's get someone better. But I, I think like trading DeRozan for parts or for assets, I just think then you're taking a step back and not like us, not like a slight step back to like retool, but then you're taking like a big step back going into the season and the team would probably win like 38 games or something. And then you're, we're at the same time next year. Then we're like, Oh, I guess we should have like traded everyone and really rebuild. I don't know. I just, we talk about like a big three with the Rosen, Levine and Vooch. Uh, I think it's like almost unfair to group them together in terms of importance. I think like De Rosen is like by far like the fulcrum of this team. Now people may think like, okay, this team's average. And that's why I, you know, I totally agree. And, and their, their shot profile being the way it is, that's because it's the Rosen leading them. But I think of like, if you removed De Rosen, it would like to- radically change the uh, trajectory of the team. If you remove Levine I think it would be pretty marginal. Like, I think I don't think Levine's like that great, uh, to be honest. And if um, if they could if they could trade him for some good players, but again, they'd have. It doesn't really make sense to get older around the and so that. And then Vooch, like I don't care if he comes or goes. I really don't think Vooch is that important. And I think it's just it's kind of like a like a, this the worst byproduct of the AK era was making. Vucevic like so important to the team where not only did they dedicate all these assets to get him, they have to structure the whole defense around his limitations and what he was supposed to provide on offense, which was, you know, volume three point shooting from the center position that we weren't getting from our wings that he wasn't doing it. I mean, and he totally, and as much as I give like Zach, uh, you know, I give Zach crap for like disappearing in big games like, Vooch, I, I don't even count on Vooch. I was like, okay, Vooch had like one three pointer, like over two playing games. It's like, well, you know, that's what you can expect, from him because he's not that good. So <laughs> I don't, it's, I, I, and, you know, that's another guy like AK, like totally praised, and we got to bring him back. And he's a, he plays every game and he gets a double double. And it's just, I just think it's like another, that's another example of AK not understanding the NBA is that he thinks like Vooch's statistics are, are that important to the team. So I I guess altogether, yes, I I still think like, yeah, if you're trading Damar, you might as well blow it up. And they don't want to blow it up. So that's why I don't think they're going to trade Damar. If they they like tried to like do a retool around Zach and Vooch, I think they'll be pretty much the same place. So I don't know what's the real point of doing that.
1: Yeah, I guess part of it too is like, what are they getting back for Damar? Like if they're getting... Dorian Finney-Smith playing at the top of his game and like a point guard playing at the top of their game, then maybe you could talk yourself into it a little bit more. Uh, But it's tough to say without knowing what's out there.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
4: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on the old man and the three make this your companion podcast during the playoffs listen to the old man and the three ad free on Wondery plus or wherever you get your podcasts
1: to follow up on that uh you wrote something in this latest piece that said one way out in my preference would be to employ an underused inherent asset spending power to to try and spend their way out from past mistakes, but ownership is offered; they'll pay the tax if the team is a contender. Something so unlikely, again, even harder with twenty million tied up with Lonzo, that it borders on what's that word? Exomic?
3: <laughs> Axiomatic. So it's like it's, just, <laughs> an, it's an it's an axiom, axiom, like it's yeah. self-evidently true. Uh, so I think that
1: sort of transitions to. AK saying that he wants to bring back Vooch, he wants to bring back Kobe, he wants to bring back Io, if he does that, and Mark wrote a good piece at CHGO sort of laying this out, they're not going to have any room to address the problems with the team. Uh, They could spend past it and up to the luxury tax line, but even that is like you know, I think what they'll head into this off season with the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. They had that last year and they chose not to spend it. So the most likely thing again, is that they'll have it and they'll choose not to, not to spend it. Uh, But like, you know, what do you, do you have some sort of uh, some sort of vision in your head where like they could use the spending power (laughs) to try to fix some of these teams problems? Like, or do you think the the better scenario then if it's not trading DeRozan is like trying to flip Vooch in a sign and trade, maybe try to trade Levine? Uh yeah.
3: I mean, so oh. some of it, some of it is like wishful thinking, to be honest. And it's like if 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 if, uh, if you want to like analyze the bulls and just and just be kind of like write them off is like you know, they have cheap ownership, they're never gonna be good. I, I can't like disagree with that. It's like I mean that's but I mean I can't really think about the team under those circumstances. Cause it's, then it's like a truly hopeless situation. It's like, why even bother like commenting on and it? it? Shouldn't so be I'm, like that. <laughs> well, yeah. And it shouldn't be like that. And we shouldn't just like, let them, you know, get away with this because like, when I, when I say it's like an axiom, like the idea that well, we'll spend once we become a contender, that's like pretty near impossible. You, you, you have to spend to be a contender and then you spend more when, you know, when you're golden state, you're like, well, we have this, contending team we have to spend even more you especially with the moves archers has made so far whether that's you know big ones like uh lonzo being 20 million dollars in dead cap or even you know giving zach the full boat max i think that's like totally fine and like appropriate but if you are paying zach levine 40 million dollars that i mean that kind of like raises the overall cap situation of the team so where you you have to, if you're going to be under the tax and be a contender, you have to get like everything right. You have to get bargains. And one thing we know with this iteration of the team is they do not have any bargains. That's for sure. Uh, Except Caruso Caruso is a bargain, I guess. So you, but you need like three Carusos, you know, and you need guys on rookie scale contracts who are performing uh, like as, as great starters, which, you know, that's, that was kind of like the big, um, Benefit of Derrick Rose being so good right away was because he had a low salary. So then, they, in the summer of 2010, when they had a chance to get, um, you know, LeBron and Bosch and Wade, it was because the guys they had on the team that were great were making a low salary. You have to be like that lucky, and like Steph so get,
2: with his extension, yeah, like his first right. extension was making like 10 million, Uh,
3: and then they have, you have to be space that lucky yeah. and and make the and have that many hits to yeah. to get a contender under the tech to have a team that's a contender under the tax where then you can like petition Michael Reinsdorf, be like, please let us spend some more money. (laughs) Like we're a contender. So yeah, a lot of this is just like wishful thinking just like never going to happen. They're not going to pay the tax. I'm, I'm kind of getting my hopes up a bit that maybe the new CBA means the tax penalties are less punitive. So where you could like go a little bit into the tax and not miss out on the big check from the Clippers and Warriors, so, like that, like maybe that'll be, uh, that'll mean they'll go into the tax a little bit because you're right. To, to especially with having 20 million tied up and someone who's not going to play, it, it is nearly impossible to try and, to try and like get a content, get a, a team that looks like a contender uh, under a luxury tax. They can't even bring back their average team. And, and stay under a luxury tax, and I think part of that was the reason why they didn't—they weren't more proactive at the deadline to keep Vooch's like salary slot. So now, instead of having instead of trading Vooch when he was making uh, like 18 million bucks to get like a similarly salary player back who's signed for more years, now they just have a hole, and we know you can't just fill that hole in free agency because they're already at the cap. So I think that was part of the reason why. They did not. I mean, part of the reason is because AK doesn't know what he's doing. Part of it is because he really was deceived by um, how the team played uh, and how, like how close they are to being good. But also part of it is they don't want to have a salary slot for Vooch because they don't want to spend money. So like what, what benefit is it to them to get a player who's making 15 million bucks? Like to us. Yeah. Okay. You're more flexible. You can trade for a superstar, but to the bulls it's like well why would i trade for a superstar and that guy's making 30 million i don't want that guy cuz they'll put us in a luxury tax so i i would like to i mean outside of the rebuilds not going to happen right ak hasn't shown the ability to kind of like make these like home run hits and you know these savvy like bargain plays to where he can he can like retool and stay under under the tax so what they have to do is spend their way out of mistakes and get more players just by spending money. And there's been so much wasted opportunity the past three transaction cycles. I mean, not only when you don't spend your mid-level exception, not only do you not get a player to help you, then you also don't get like that salary slot. They could have someone making, you know, say they got Gallinari and he doesn't blow out his knee. They would still have a Gallinari making 10 million bucks that you could use in a trade. Now they don't. They have, they have nothing in this, but you know, what? Uh, Jason mentions Derek Jones, he was making 8 million. They could have used that in an outgoing salary trade. Now he's making two and you know, you don't have as much flexibility to try and add better players by adding salary. So part of that is by mismanagement, but I think part of that is by design. They don't want a high payroll. So why do they want to accumulate these like mid-level salaries to try and piece together something to get a better player? they don't want to get a better player because a better players cost money. <laughs> so it's, it's a really tough situation where it's like, if AK was really brilliant at his job, then then yeah, let's see what we, let's see what we can do under these restrictions. He's already made so many mistakes and he's in a hole. They have to spend their way out of it. So right. I, it's almost like wishful thinking at this point. Cause it's like, I don't know what they can do if, if they're not going to spend. Right. So like, And to
2: the Vooch point, like maybe they think they can bring him back like super cheap and that's why they wouldn't use him to get a more expensive player. It's like, Oh, we'll just bring Vooch back for something cheap. he said that they did not talk about an extension with him. Right. Yeah. And to me, that's like malpractice.
3: Yeah. To me, that's like malpractice as a, I mean, I don't know if it's like him taking like liking his players too much or like not treating them as like assets instead of like people, but to you had now you have like no leverage. I mean, I, I need to like he can sign unrestricted free agency, with a team has cap room. He could even say, you know, this team that doesn't have cap room, but I want to play there.
2: Yeah. So like work on how with to this sign Bulls trade. Team. And yeah.
3: the team and the team usually plays ball because you know they don't want to, it's not it's not good practice to kind of like uh you know piss off players and agents yeah. by like restricting them for where they want to go. So when they had leverage was at the trade deadline to say, hey, if they want to keep Vooch at a at a discount, now I think. Vooch is such a limited player that it would have to be like a pretty steep discount. I think he's kind of like a mid-level player, to be yeah. honest. But It's so like 225.
2: Like say, I mean, like a mid-level deal. and Maybe like a mid-level deal. Yeah. Two or three years. I was like offer, say,
1: 20... he, Mark said $70 million for three years, Can't which do it. would average $23 million a year. I think that that is too pretty much. realistic. In realistic? What's going to happen? Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That I think I, 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 Vooch to a three-year deal. And I think so, too a modest raise from what he made the past couple of years.
3: Yeah, and I would and he, so Archer sort of had, sort of known that, you know, part of negotiation is you you know get this evidence like okay, what is he looking for? What is he, where does he think he like stands in the league? Does he want him to be a starter, you know, Garrett, like would he be a starter on a bad team? All these kind of things and then say, "Hey, okay, here's what we're going to offer you, and if you don't take it, we'll trade you." You know, he had that leverage a- at the deadline, now he doesn't. Now, now there's nothing to stop Vooch from just like, okay, if you want me to resign, you're going to pay me my market value. And I think it's, you know, 23 million, which I think is looking an rate. I think not even so much the, uh, the money, but the years, I mean, yep. he's an older big man. They're not going to age well. Um, I know Vooch has had a good statistical season, but it's going to get worse. It's more likely to get worse than to get better um his shooting has regressed but he really only had that one season of like 40% shooting and he'll probably get hurt more often and he's going to be worse defensively he's not going to get better lateral movement uh when he's 33 so uh, i i just think that says like another example of carnish was not being up to the job like he did, like this was a a pretty clear um thing he had to do was to negotiate with Vooch or trade him to not lose him for nothing and instead he just did nothing and we'll probably resign him for too much money because he boxed himself into a corner.
2: That That is my concern. Just like the doubling down and like extending like whatever Vooch, DeMar. That's why I'm kind of on the trade DeMar train, just because he's got one year left. And I guess I'm just worried about them also giving him like an extension that
3: yeah he might want yeah he might want an extension and it's and just like maybe that'll force their hand yeah, yeah and it's like i just you
2: can't like it's, like Demar has been really good better than we ever really could have expected but, but yeah like if they went out and like gave him an extension they re-signed Bush and they just like really double down on like long-term money with his core it's like i mean i just and that's i'm worried about that for sure that's why i'm kind of like out of all these options which none of them look that good right now it's trade tomorrow. You could get something for him instead of whatever, doubling down on him or just letting him or letting or going through the season and letting him walk again. I don't want to let him walk. Obviously you could trade him at the deadline too, but even by then, like the value is even low is even lower. So it's like, I'd be fine trading Demar. I know we talked about Patrick Williams. I'm, I'm a big Patrick Williams skeptic as well, but like, I almost just kind of want to see like, I I'm almost put, looking at next season as not a punt because I'm also like, I don't want to really go full rebuild, but, not a punt but a like kind of just see what we have type deal and i know that sounds super lame for this team but given all the other options just don't aren't very appealing either to me that's why i'm kind of like okay trade demar get some assets for him if you trade caruso maybe you get something for him as well if someone's willing to put two first rounders on the table for him like and then you see what you have in patrick williams and then if it just all sucks you maybe just naturally whatever, get a high draft pick and maybe you draft like a natural, really yeah,
3: natural, yeah. an accidental yeah. tank.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. basically just like, see what we have. And if it goes really shitty, maybe you just tank, but you also have replenished the asset base a little bit without doubling down yeah. too much on the, on the veteran salary. That's just kind of my mindset about the trade DeMar let Pat kind of see what he is. Because yeah, it, I, yeah. Go
3: ahead. I think that could yeah, that could be like a, a sneaky, like good move by Karshavis to say, well, we, to say that he doesn't want to rebuild but by trading demar you are kind of rebuilding so either either it works out where you know patrick williams makes a leap and he's only you know 22 and now you have like a, a young building you know core to to go around or they're not good which I, that's my suspicion is they're not good enough they're going to go the other way and go really for like deep in the lottery but then that that actually would be fine because you know then you get you get a you get a high pick and then you and then you probably pissed Levine off yeah, and probably, next off season and yeah. then you are doing a whole rebuild and yeah. it's just one year later. Right. And I think that's part, that's kind of like that would kind of be appropriate because a lot of, a lot of things, what we're talking about is all stuff that would have been better done earlier. Right. Like hey. if you wanted to trade Rosen, and do it at the deadline, if you wanted to trade Caruso, you know, do it at the deadline where you get more from teams who get like playoff runs out of these guys instead of now. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that I, it, it would go counter to what AK's like stated plan is and his goal. Uh, But that's okay. If, if it, you know, if it it works out and he's like, well, I was lying, you know, I I did, I did want to kind of go on a rebuild. I just didn't want to say it. It's like, okay, that's fine. Uh, But I, but I, if we're, if we're to believe what he's saying and I, and I, and I do, I think, I don't think he's like savvy enough to, to like lie about this. I, I think he wants to get better. And I think, I just don't think there's any way you trade to Rosen and get better. It's, right. Uh yeah. Yeah.
2: did that. Yeah. If we are, I'm skeptical that they're going to do any type of rebuild type moves. That's just what I think that they should do. But in terms of actually doing it, I would be pretty, I guess I could see them booch walking and them getting just totally boned by that. And then like having no way to really replace him. Uh, and then you just, I guess, whatever, I guess, it, I guess his, his, his production probably is replaceable as you kind of talked about, but uh, they could find another style of center
3: add some shooting somehow, but cheaper, yeah, and that, and yeah. that and that style is cheaper, like a like a rim runner, yeah uh, rim protector th- those guys are actually pretty affordable so I mean we talked about yeah, it. I mean, they that, could have that,
2: signed they could have signed Isaiah Hardenstein's been playing pretty good for the Knicks, like instead of u- yep. using Drummond and Drummond was fine, but like we talked just talking about like the sl- the salary slot, even like they could have used the mid level on like Hardenstein, and you could have a a young center to possibly replace Vooch if he leaves on a nine or $10 million contract salary slot. You got a possible Vooch replacement for cheap, a younger, for a younger player. You got the salary slot if you want to trade it. But instead they have Andre Drummond for just above the minimum. Like Drummond was like, I know you hate Drummond and I was never a big Drummond guy. And like, he was (laughs) a super roller coaster this year. He was really good in that heat game, but like, He's Andre Drummond at this point. He's a nice bat- veteran backup and at this point that's what he yeah, is. Yeah, definitely
3: can't be a starter. There's no upside. Yeah, he definitely can't be. Drummond. Yeah. So
2: like that's why I was mad about them not maybe trying for hard. Maybe they did, but I mean there was
3: no evidence that they really like yeah, made did, a competitive offer. They did offer.
1: want to go to the luxury tax.
3: Yeah, right. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. If if they spent in the luxury tax, they would give themselves more flexibility to make yeah. trades. They and because they didn't, now that we're seeing what happens they don't really even have like, like marginal, like flotsam salary to like package together. Yeah, Drummond if Drummond and Jones to get like a, yeah. If they want, they're a, on they player options. Like a,
2: they're probably going to opt. They'll probably opt in to whatever. They're three million. So like, yeah. and you can't really do anything with that. And like, it's like
3: what? That's the hell? why. And I'm gonna. I haven't really like thought this through, but like my, when I'm gonna try to like uh, come together with like a, a plan, and this wouldn't be like. My preference, but it's my preference if you're not going to rebuild. Yeah. Is like you kind of box yourself in. You have to trade Patrick Williams as your asset. Like you have no picks. If you want to get a star player, I don't even think Williams will get you that great a star player, but he could be part of a bigger package. And they don't really have the picks like 10 million. To package
2: to get like right. the so star like player you, you want twenty nine. Like,
3: well, Yeah, they have 27, 29, and they could reason that Williams is like a third first round. He's like probably equivalent to, I don't know, like the 10th pick in the draft, I would say would be like a Patrick, like a team could say like, well, we could use the 10th or 10th to 20th pick in the draft, or we get Patrick Williams who we already know has shown some things uh, and probably is a higher hit rate than what you're going to get in that, in that draft range. So, and, and he makes 10 million bucks. And then you got to, it's just and tough. you have to match
2: that's salary just, somehow. I guess, yeah, Vooch the, signed that, yeah trade.
3: that's what I'm right. <laughs> that's the other thing. That's like what I mentioned when you don't use your exceptions and you don't trade guys before they become free agents, then you lose these like slots and then you can't make moves in the future.
2: But then we're talking about trading Patrick Williams now when they apparently had no intention on doing it before when they actually looked better. And when he had more theoretical trade value, yeah. but now he's already no, it's, th- yeah, he's, it's too late. Yeah. It's yeah. too like, whatever it's, it just feels too, like it would be too late. Like, that would be, I guess that would be the move. They do would try to get a more proven player, but like, that's the move we were talking about all of last season when they actually were the one seed and we looking good was right. trade Patrick Williams. But everything we heard was that, Oh no, he's untouchable. He's not going anywhere. So it's like, but now all of a sudden you would like a last gasp, Patrick Williams trade. Uh, and then they're
3: 2022, uh, First round pick, right. you know that yeah. was seen as like, oh, we can't trade that. Well, what do they have for it now? They have Dalen Terry, who's his let for whatever he said. He has definitely has less value than a, a lottery protected first round pick now. I mean, there's yeah. no, so he there's played no way a around full that.
2: season and didn't play, and he didn't show like right. that he could play he had, at like all.
3: the least amount, least productivity of any first round pick this year.
2: So. Yeah, yeah. Um, just look at the last three drafts. I mean, their draft is Patrick Williams, who's I mean, fine. He improved this season, possibly still some upside, and then IO. Second round pick, he's solid, but he hasn't really done anything. And then Dale and Terry. I mean, three drafts and their three drafts so far have given you n- almost nothing. And then, and then I talked about this on the last spot in the Miami game. Pat, Io, Dale and Terry gave you literally almost nothing. And you lose. And that you, yeah. you can't, you can't, you're not gonna go anywhere. If your stars aren't good enough and then the, the the role guys aren't good enough and you're whiffing on draft picks, man. I'm not gonna call Pat a whiff, but like these if they're not giving you anything, you're not going
3: anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I would yeah, I wouldn't either. And I just like I know, we've like talked like a long time about this team, and like haven't really mentioned coaching and Billy Donovan. And I think part of it is because we just have like Stockholm syndrome, and like well, they, just they extended there. him; he's sticking around. Yeah. Yeah. He's just there. But it's like some of like what we talk about when like how to get a, a team centered around DeRozan, like more three point shooting, or how to you know better develop some of these young players, uh, give them more opportunity, or give them better opportunities and more opportunities a lot of that would be solved by coaching i don't think it would be completely solved by coaching i think they need better players first and foremost but we're kind of like just stuck with like billy donovan and ak thinks billy's great and there's nothing they can do from a coaching side and so that's just something else like to mention that we don't mention because it just seems like so like fate accompli that like billy donovan's here and we can't expect anything more out of our head coach but i think that would be an opportunity there as well is to you know have coaching elevate Levine's game to where he's more of an off ball uh shooter and get like gets out of this like Kobe brain mindset where like he has to you know take mid-range shots and like dominate the ball. Billy tried and got pushed back and then kind of like didn't try again. Same thing with like not playing Dale and Terry. Now I totally understand why he didn't play Dalen Terry, he's not good, but maybe you could get a coach in here who could like run a team on multiple tracks and say like you know we're trying to win every game but we can also kind of bring along players with uh developmental minutes or you know like just like spurts where they can better you know have opportunities to kind of develop themselves. I mean just real quick there was another like quote in the after deadline press conference where Arturis basically said that his philosophy was players don't develop midseason. He thinks like it's all in the off season and then they show up for training cap and tell the coaches, like, here's what you can count on me to do. And with, you know, Dalen Terry, they couldn't count on him to do anything. So they didn't play him. And there was like nothing to the effect of, you know, if we gave him some regular minutes, you know, how can, with like this, this combination of lineups, how can they better perform? There was like nothing to that. So I think that's another one of like AK's just philosophies. Like, you know, the regular season and our regular season head coach is not, to develop players that's on the off season that's on the player development staff. They haven't done that either. That's also been like a poor mark on their regime in terms of like, you know, who are these gems they're developing that they have to develop if they want to uh, get a contender under luxury tax. So yeah, that's just another thing that I think we're kind of just like accepting, but we can't just like not mention it because otherwise it's like truly hopeless. If we're just like, well, they're (laughs) cheap and they're, they want to be average, and that's just the way it is. I mean, that would be a very short podcast, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Billy's I'm not still, getting fired, obviously. <laughs> He'd have to resign I'm if still, they, like, actually went to a rebuild, but that's
1: probably not happening, so.
2: I'm Ricky, still talking
1: R- this quote from the press conference, and I just can't get over this. AK said, we chose the lane, which was to stay with the same group, and that came out post-All-Star is the right decision. I don't know if we could have made any changes that could have done better than 14 and nine. I mean, this quote is literally insane. This is worse than any GARPAX quote they've ever said. I I think a lot about GARPAX (laughs) and like the different ways in which these guys are bad. GARPAX, I think basically like just never learned anything new about the NBA and how it was changing like the ways that they found kirk heinrich ben gordon Lu Altang, taj gibson jimmy butler like whatever their mindset was to find those guys uh they never adjusted it when it led them to misses like tony snell Denzel valentine doug mcdermott and then they didn't uh, think jimmy Bob was good enough And they didn't. And so, right. They didn't know how to evaluate talent, really. And the number one point in that is that they didn't realize that Jimmy Butler was good at basketball. And then they also made a bunch more horrible personnel decisions like, you know, picking Isaiah Cannon over Spencer Dinwiddie and, you know, making another making two terrible Doug McDermott trades. Uh, And they could not. Yeah, they couldn't evaluate talent. Whereas with Karnaschovas, I just think that he just has no ambition in terms of he he does not even want to pretend like he aspires to win a championship. And that's why your headline was so good on this post. Arturis doesn't settle for mediocrity. He strives for it. And I really think that that's it because... Uh, well, I just got the news alert that Giannis is out for game two. So maybe if the Bulls would have won that game against the Heat, you know, (laughs) maybe they'd be up 2-0 against... They don't have Jimmy Butler, though. Part
3: part of what he said at the trade deadline was not that we got better, but, you know, the Reese got worse. So, hey, we're looking pretty good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That quote is so insane. How can you say there was nothing we could have done that would have improved the team better than Patrick Beverly? Patrick Beverly is maybe the... Four hundredth best player in the league, <laughs> We're the three hundred and fiftieth best player in the league. Like to say there was nothing we could have done to improve the team. As much as getting Patrick Beverly is literally fucking insane, and that's even just a short term outlook. Like again, there's just no long term
2: like thinking there. Well, what could we have done better than fourteen and nine? What's like? Obviously, you could also look to make the team like better in the future somehow. But no, could have made the playoffs. Yeah. You could have
3: made the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That would have been that would have been better if they you know actually made the playoffs instead yeah. of just closely didn't make the playoffs. Like I wonder if they make so they say they make the uh, they win that second play in game, but they get like destroyed by the Bucks. Would that be a worse result in AK's mind because they lost you know they weren't competitive against a good team? You know, it's like he he has no idea of like what like what what is a successful season to Cardinals. I can answer that. I can answer that.
1: Successful season is making the playoffs without paying the luxury tax. If they do that, they have a successful season. But what that misses is that everyone makes the playoffs in the NBA. You have to be horrible to miss the playoffs. Eight teams make the playoffs in each conference. So I think that that is their biggest problem: is that they have very small ambition. And mostly Michael Reinsdorf doesn't want people mad at them that the team is horrible and embarrassing. And he thinks if the team can at least make the playoffs, they can't be that mad at me. And if I won't let them pay the luxury tax, then they can't be that expensive. So everything is within the framework of make the playoffs, don't pay the luxury tax. And they do not aspire to win the championship or to work towards building, winning the championship. All they want is the consistency of making the playoffs every year without needing to pay the luxury tax. And it's not because they don't want to spend the extra money that it would require to pay the luxury tax. It's because Jerry Reinsdorf wants the handout from the teams that are actually trying to win, which I believe is like, what do we say, a $17 million check? Uh from the from the Warriors and the Clippers and that floats them. Last thing I wanted to ask you, Matt, uh is so Lonza, like if the team is going to try to be competitive. Like that's almost impossible for any team to do in a salary cap league. When you got one guy making $20 million a year, whatever percentage of the cap that is, is truly the more telling number. I don't have it off the top of my head, but like he's making a significant portion of the salary cap in a salary cap league. So do you think they can do anything where they trade Lon though? Because otherwise they got him for two more years. He's got a player option this next year would it be worth it to like throw in the 2027 pick with lonzo and make that trade to try to get basically anyone who could play a game for the team since lonzo <laughs> can't do that and while i would hate the idea of trading more draft picks right like jason said karnashovas is horrible in the draft to this point he's proven to be not very good at least so right. I, I do still have faith in pat but obviously pat is not some ascending superstar i think he could be like a. Pretty solid role player for the team. And I'm comfortable with him being that. And I don't really want to grade him against whatever uh, made up expectations a number four pick should have. But in general, like, how's the team going to win with a guy who makes $20 million a year who can't play? So, what is sort of the avenue to getting around that and right. do the trade?
3: Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of, again, they're kind of boxed in by what, you know, the rest of the NBA, it's a soft cap. But for the Bulls, we know this is like a hard cap. They're not they're not going to go into luxury tax. So what maybe he could get better protections this time. That would be, it. that would be a start. You know, if, if he's trading a pick to get off of Lonzo's money, like don't do it only top four protected like that. It would be a lot better if it was lottery protected, that would be one way. Um And this was part of, this was part of the problem with the press conference as well, is that he offered no, he wouldn't even comment on the idea of, uh, disabled player exception injury exclusion for, for to, to get out of the contract entirely. And he said like, we're confident that, you know, Lonzo is going to play again. And I know part of that is just like, he wants to put like a positive spin on Lonzo's recovery, but like, you can't, you can't logically be confident that he's going to come back and play. Right. Or at least he's not going to come back and contribute. I mean, if he's coming off a third surgery and two, years off the court he's not going to come back and start and play 35 minutes in in january or whatever so he needs to it, like realize like okay this year is written off i mean for all intents and purposes even even if he comes back he wouldn't be you couldn't rely on him so treat that as like like truly dead money they could trade they could use the pick to get off of the money or you know have that as part of a bigger maybe Lonzo's salary is part of that like um you know aggregation of salaries to get to get a star player but then you're using the pick to kind of like compensate for for the salary instead of you know being like value added kind of like while they had to throw in a pick for uh DeRozan because they forced uh San Antonio to take salary they didn't want and the Vucevic deal where somehow they threw in the picks and then he took the bad the, back, the bad salary and El Farouk Aminu is like truly wild stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> so like in the asset management, yeah, it, it's tough, but it's doable to where you have to use the picks to kind of like compensate for taking on Lonzo's money. How much I is a
2: disabled player exception? Not that they'd actually okay, use so it. So
3: what? So yeah. So what they could do is all right, I don't think they're going to, try for the exclusion which would be like getting okay, it off entirely he's never right? coming back yeah like career yeah, ending. Never, this is a career career ending injury right. insurance is going to pay jerry Reinsdorf, you know some of the salary so you know thank god for that and then you know they get they wipe it from the books they could do a disabled player exception which would be for half of lonzo's salary which would be roughly 10 million that's how you spend out uh, of it you talk
2: about spending out of it
3: yeah and that's how you spend out of it because that money is it's not like you get an exception to use but that does not it is calculated in the tax. So right. if they, you know, added a 10 million dollar player then that bumps you into the into the luxury tax. You're still counting Lonzo's 20 million on that salary right. Right. as well, is now it's an additional player making 10 million. So they so they could and should do that because what you have to what you're saying then is like if you're applying for that disabled player exception, you're saying Lonzo's not playing this year. And that's that's the mindset to. they have to have. He's not going yeah, that's to play the play mindset next year. they have to have. He's not going to play. Even if he plays it'd be like, you know, he's ramping back up and like we're going to play him limited minutes and like he'll be 2 years off the court. He's not going to be he's they're not going to throw him into a what we should be like a relatively competitive team, you know, going for the 8th seed in the playoffs. I mean, it it would be irresponsible to to count on that. Yeah. But we saw last season, it was irresponsible to count on it last year and not only did Arturis like not do anything to short up, he said he had no regrets about it. So it, 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 in his mind it it was fine. And like to Ricky pointing out that quote about like, you know that was the right path to to not make any uh, make any moves at the trade deadline because we got 14 and nine. It's just yeah, it's just like a lack of it's a lack of ambition like what you even want to achieve. And I think even worse, he sets like this meager goal. And he can't even hit that. They, they, you know, they. It's it's sad enough to strive for the eighth season of the playoffs in the Eastern Conference playoffs, the, the the crappy conference. They didn't even hit that. So and a third thing. Not only did they not hit it, he didn't. He said it was good. Like, oh, you know what? Uh, we I couldn't have seen us do any better than fourteen and nine. So I was right, and we're on the right path. Like even missing. The playoffs, which is a very low goal, that wasn't enough to discourage him or admit any mistakes or even just give like an honest assessment of the team. Like back to like the totality of like this press conference and why it's a problem. Cause I'm sure there's people out there like, what do you want him to say? He's not going to trash his players. He's not going to, you know, negotiate in the media with Vucevic or whatever. But just, you know, be honest about where you see the team as not good enough. And I don't know what's worse that he's lying and he knows they're not good enough or he's telling the truth and he thinks they are good enough because good enough to him is just being a tough out.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the fact that we've had several years of this suggests whatever, like the letter, there's the moves haven't been made, the continuity, he spewed the continuity thing and he's followed that. He's followed the continuity thing. He's He's kind of followed what he said, so at this point you have to assume that again, maybe he does surprise us. He, he did surprise us a couple of years ago when they made these, some of these big moves after like the quiet first stuff. So like maybe he'll surprise us, but I know you think he should be fired. I
3: they, <laughs> yes. I. Yeah, and I the wizards be, after the deadline just fired, fired Tommy
2: Shepard right now. Speaking of oh, mid teams wow. firing general manager or bad general managers, the wizards oh, just fired Tommy Shepard half an, hour, half an hour ago. So,
3: wow. That, breaking news. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, so I think we're, like we're conditioned in as a Chicago Bulls fan to think that executives have to be here like 20 years. Uh but they don't they could they're easily replaced. I think AK is like the most replaceable uh GM in basketball. They could quickly bring someone else in here and maybe it's someone who's not even better, but they could do a better job like spinning it because he can't even do that much. So, I was going to say yes, we have like a long off season and the lottery will, you know, determine, I mean, if they get, if they win the lottery, that, I mean, that, that yeah. changes everything obviously, yeah. but I think it'll be an early sign if they're serious about, you know, trying to fix this, if they apply for a disabled player exception for Lonzo, if they don't, then this is not, it's not going to work. They have to be realistic and give themselves this like spending power flexibility with a ten million dollar exception, if they don't even apply for it, I mean the, the fact that they didn't do it last year was galling enough. Where they had no, they could have used that at the trade deadline to say, you know, we have like a, they could trade for a player. Right. Know, last year their deal making ten million bucks. If if they don't do that heading into this uh, into this season, then we'll know he's not serious. But you know that that'll be like an easy tell because yeah. it, it's impossible to have twenty million in money. <laughs> on a team that's going to be under the luxury tax and to try and improve with no, uh, with very few draft assets, yeah. it's going to be nearly they're, impossible. They're, they're not going to apply. So, Lonzo the
1: reason they should apply for the disabled player exception is because they have a disabled player, yeah. player. Yeah. Is disabled, yeah. so they should apply for it. That's why the exception it's is
3: what dead. it's made for.
1: Yeah, but they are not going to because then they would pay the luxury tax.
3: Yep, yeah, that's the thing. They, so they, they don't, they don't even want to give themselves the option to pay it because now we can't I I guess because they think like fans can't be can't do the math and be like well they couldn't spend in the lottery tax so what are you gonna do it's like so if they had the exception and didn't use it that's worse than just not having it all so yeah that'll be a tell
2: yeah real quick here that you mentioned the lottery they are in the lottery they have what eight percent chance to keep the top four protected Mm -hmm. pick I think it's like one point eight. So basically, the Derrick Rose odds to get number one. If they obviously get number one and they were able to get Wembenyama, that obviously be great. That would change a lot here. I do wonder though if they moved up to two, three, or four. Obviously, you yeah, have Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, the other guys, Thompson Twins. I wonder if they would then trade that pick. We talk about them trying to like get better. Do you think if they got any any of those two, three, or four? If they would trade out of it, I would be, I don't think they'd trade one. I know that obviously teams would come with them Mm -hmm. with a lot and they probably could trade, trade it for something really good. But like, I'm assuming if they got one, they would take Wemby, but if they got two, three or four, I feel like it wouldn't surprise me if they traded that for win now stuff and just kind of went forward with this. And I
3: would be, I would be okay with that. If, if they actually knew how to target like a superstar player. Yeah, I mean, let's this first big move was creating this superstar trade package where you took on bad salary, you gave up Wendell Carter, multiple first round picks, are lightly protected for Nikola Vucevic. You know, like it wasn't so much the philosophy of the trade or like trying to get better or pivoting to like, we're going to win. The problem was they got a player who's not that good. And that, I mean, that, that was, if they did that package for Donovan Mitchell, they did that package even, well, maybe not Rudy Gobert, but be, Rudy Gobert is a better player than Vooch but I'm like, that's the problem is like, I I wouldn't trust that like our would target the, like, the, the caliber of player that you would trade two, three, or four in the draft for.
1: So I would just take scoot if they got number two, but it could be pretty interesting to package number two and Lonzo. Now that's a way to get off Lonzo. Yeah, like if yeah. you want this premium pick, you got to take on our horrible salary for a yep. guy who makes $20 million a year for two years. And who should the bulls go after? I mean, there's only one name, Zion. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not that I think Zion's going to be available, but like, and also if Zion played for the Bulls, he would literally never play a game. They would no, blow man. out both of his knees. Within I mean, he barely plays as is.
3: <laughs> we haven't even mentioned the Way fact more passive aggressive in the media too. They prescribe active rest like yeah. they did for well.
1: We haven't even mentioned that uh, the Bulls ended during greens <laughs> season and probably yeah. his career. This year as well. Well, they lowered his value, so maybe he'll
3: come back because they they you know, killed another. They killed player. his market. They killed his market. They killed another player, Javante. <laughs> Poor Javante.
2: Anyways, we could probably I'm leave I it think there. we might be
1: able to wrap this one
2: up. Yeah. yeah, we've been we've been going for a while. Always love these chats. Always love to rant about this stupid ass team that we still follow, still talk about too much. But uh, Matt, thank you so much for everything, please let our listeners know the new place that they can find you.
3: It's actually the same place. Same place. Yes, com, Technically. It's, diff- yes. it's going to look, yes, it's going to look, but it's going to look a lot different. Yes. Um, we we got booted off of SP nation. I'll probably do something this summer. So if you want to sign up just for that alone, I'll write something this summer about breaking up with SP nation and how that all went down. Nothing too crazy, but you know, <laughs> just like an insight of uh, it you know, insight into the online uh, media world for the past 20 years. Um, So, yeah, we're on Substack now. Benefits are no ads and it's free. Um, Sign up with your email and it's you get a basically a newsletter. So it's kind of like it's 2005 all over again, where it's just me writing and uh, (laughs) plain white text and (laughs) uh, sporadically, uh, you know, just bitching about about the bulls uh like i keep saying it's like we we could just take like a higher order thinking and just be like well they're they're hopeless and there's no <laughs> point but uh, you gotta no, keep the do. passion just to, to care enough to complain so yeah that's what i'm doing i'm caring enough to complain uh <laughs> sign up bloggable.com for the you get the email and i get a subscriber and yep you can leave but it's like a functional any other website where you can sign in leave comments a lot of the uh old comments who, commenters who left uh Vox after their commenting upgrade have come back to Substack. So if you kind of miss that interaction with those crazy people and want to get off Twitter, I would recommend go to go to Bloggable.
2: Absolutely. I love getting the the email in my in my inbox from for it with a new post. Love reading through it, it's great stuff. I'm signed up, it's great. And yes, go sign up at bloggable.com. Thank you again, Matt, for joining us. This is a great time. Again, always love rambling about this stupid ass team. So, that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue R Network. We're in the teeth of the first round right now. About to go watch. As, as we get off right now, we have, or I think a little later tonight, we're going to see if Jimmy Butler is going to pull another upset against the Giannis less Bucks. That'd be Bulls, former Bulls great Jimmy Butler, who they did not think was good enough to be a centerpiece of their team. And he is still better than anybody. The bulls have had since they traded him and he's in the playoffs every year and he rules. So hopefully Jimmy can go. It'd be fun to go on it for them to go on a deep run, even though the heat are garbage, but they beat the bulls who are also garbage, but we'll see with Giannis hurt. Who knows, but playoffs going on tons of great stuff going all across the blue air network. We'll be talking about it here at cash sometimes as well. Like I said, if Jimmy does go on a deep run, we'll, we'll be hopping on that bandwagon. Um, so absolutely so for us here at cash please rate and review us give us those five-star ratings we're on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google Podcasts, all those fun places you can follow me on twitter i'm at bulls underscore j follow ricky at SPN underscore ricky so thanks again for Matt bloggable.com for joining us today we will talk to you guys next time
0: this is last year's bulls it's not last year's bulls